The views and opinions expressed in the following presentation are those of the individual presenter and should not be attributed to any organization with which the presenter is employed or affiliated. I'm Farah Kamengar. Welcome to the Future of Dermatology podcast. We're very excited to have you here again. Um, we have a very interesting, amazing guest today. A quick, brief bio. I could go on for days about Vishi's bio, but just a quick bio. Vishi Hawks is currently an associate director, thought leader liaison at Regeneron, and has been in the biotech pharmaceutical industry for over 23 years. She has a master's of business administration and lives and works in Northern California and has been a huge supporter of our um, dermatologists in, in the area. So Vishi, thank you so much for, for, for joining and for being here. Um, and anything you want to add to your bio, your, um, your, your background, I'm so happy to have you here and just tap into your wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, that was an incredibly kind introduction, and it's such an honor for me to be here with you today. Oh, it's so great to have you, Vishi. And and one of the things that I've always loved talking to you about, and you have so much information on, is of course you've seen so many changes over time in medicine, in dermatology, and the therapeutics, and you were just uh, you have so much knowledge about the inner workings of sort of a different different part of the healthcare system that we as physicians don't see every day. Uh, so I was hoping to kind of tap into a little bit of that. We can start broadly with just kind of what have you seen different in, this is sort of our future of dermatology podcast, but just in the, in, the, the, in the recent past, what kind of changes have you seen within dermatology um, and therapeutics, systems-wide, gaps in care, uh, Anything that you've seen that that we'd like to kind of start off with? That is such a good question. You know, I think it's it's this time of innovation in science and really advancing the therapies. So therapies getting not just that, you know, on the precipice of this personalized medicine, but targeted therapies that are treating unmet needs. Conditions that didn't have good options now are having good options. Um, so, I mean, that has definitely in the last five to 10 years, you know, there have been some really big strides in, you know, discoveries. Um, I think that also pushes to, you know, what, how did that, how does that affect the entire system, right? So it's not just innovation, but, you know, um, I think COVID was one example of that digital innovation to the theme of the podcast, but really um, having an opportunity to just continue to push with how can you get these innovative medicines to patients um, and potentially using some disruptive or innovative technology to help assist with um, those, the, the actual, the processes. Yeah. And I think one of the things we've kind of talked about too, with even other guests on the podcast is we've had, it's so such an exciting time with therapeutics. It was in the past, right? greens and topicals and somebody would come in and it was that that's where you'd stop now we have these amazing therapies um and they're we're getting more and more of them more data more specific um targets so it's like the best era in a way but then right. instead of the 
gaps and the things associated with the prior auth of getting them covered, working with the different pieces of insurance, PBMs, all these different settings, just even our healthcare settings changing of like a a lot of doctors being in private practice and then having to shift to kind of working in these big groups just so we can kind of manage this data and all this extra steps that we have to do. It's kind of like a, like a double-edged sword. Like we have all these great therapeutics and the best to be in dermatology. But on the other hand, everyone is just getting, it's like a fire hose of the other end, just the logistics of it. Um, have you kind of seen that within your time being in like that, 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 that change? Have you kind of seen that within physicians where you're kind of really just seeing the practice models are changing? And yeah, I mean, it's, it, I absolutely have seen the change. And I think that's the elephant in the room, right? You know, that's where if there's a way to solve that question is how do you be more efficient with the processes that it requires on, you know, um, what we would say is is pull through, right? You know, and that's where, and you and I have talked about this, I think having the stakeholders really come together who are in the patient continuum of care and have these conversations is so important because there's different resources that, you know, or ideas that can come up that can really help with this, you know, that that inevitable um, requirement of actually getting patients treatment, right? Um, and that's really where these conversations are so important to have between, again, the front line, which is providers, dermatologists, and, you know, all the way to the manufacturers of the biotech pharmaceutical industry that is really with the patient at the center of that, right? You know, how do we have patient-centric conversation because that's the fundamental, um, you know, what we fundamentally share. It's really just getting all those stakeholders together, which is, I think it was so grateful that you were able to come onto this podcast and talk to us because we can have lots of different conversations with different physicians and put more on our episodes that way. But I feel like we're not going to solve these problems on our own as as physicians alone just because there's so many little pieces of it. And I also feel like there's a little bit of lack of, or a lot of lack of education from the physician side on the background, what happened, what has happened to kind of get us to this, um, to this point where we're having these extra kind of barriers, um, getting your patients what they need. So I, I love the thought of this, like having them realizing who the important stakeholders are and then how to connect them. So I think that's like a really, really right important piece. Sometimes we don't know all the stakeholders. There are important ones and non-important ones, meaning like there's all these like connector things that happen between pharmacies and things that you never even really know from the time you write your prescription to the time where it may or may not end up with a patient getting that same prescription or a different one. So many little things that happen. And like, I feel like there's most of us don't know what happens at the back end now. Um, but really just, and then once you figure out who the right stakeholders are, then how to kind of form those relationships, which I think you've been such a guidance for a lot of dermatologists of just how to interface with different groups, like who the right connections are that you need to talk to if you're trying to get a problem solved. Um, and I think you've seen a lot of probably physicians that are just doing medical care, like in clinic, but a lot that are probably doing other roles too, like maybe even leaving medicine or engaging with pharma researchers. Um, I'd love your thoughts about that kind of things, the trends you've seen, or just specifics on how physicians can get more involved in these different routes than the regular thing that we do. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's also a really important question because there's so many facets of, 
you know, what's this big umbrella term of pharma biotech, right? You know, that's just, a, that's so general, but within each company, you know, there's, I think for a provider to be really clear about um, what their objectives are, you know, what areas they're most interested in, right? And whether that's research um, or, you know, it's um, coming on as an educational consultant and educating their peers, right? There's different avenues within the pharmaceutical or any any pharmaceutical or biotech company that, um, you know, once you understand how you want to participate and what's meaningful, um, and, and that's even with, like you said, making the connections, you know, then identifying the right group or person in charge of, of those specific objectives, um, you know, within each, and, and, and it is nebulous, you know, it's, I think the entire healthcare system in general, but also within a company, um, even within any company, I don't know all the stakeholders, right. But we obviously would know how to get, you know, a provider who's interested in research connected to the right group. Um, but I do think that those, you know, having those connections is going to be more and more important because that's when the solutions can happen, right? Where, you know, we can really start to put heads together and resources toward, you know, creating potentially innovations or disruptions um, at, at any point within, again, the patient continuum of care. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, part of it is in, in medical school and residency, the aspect of interaction with industry that's focused on is trying to prevent conflict of interest and not to diminish it. But a lot of effort goes on that alone, uh, making sure that a physician is not conflicted, is not writing, out writing prescriptions they don't want, that, all that aspect of it, which I think also pharma is even more regulated than we are in trying to prevent, very, prevent that. So there's a lot of effort right. spent on that alone, but then not a lot of effort or education around the all the other important pieces you just mentioned is like how how do those two worlds interface? Um, and because without doing that, I think we're not going to have any resolution to some of the problems that are facing us every day. And ultimately, it's for patient care. But then there's also the side things like physicians all becoming burnt out and and uh, you know having to. So it's just kind of figuring out these pieces. I think does take collaboration, which it's, it, I always find when I have like a specific question and I come to you, you have like the best answers and you help put it in such a like logical um, sort of form of thinking about things, which is different than, you know, some, if I were just to talk to another dermatologist who only kind of has the knowledge that we have in our head and maybe not this kind of broader. No, I was going to say, you know, you, we learn from each other. And I think that's where it's having the, at least having the interaction is so important. And to your point, in a way that, that doesn't cross over into something that's perceived at a con as a conflict of interest. But I do think that um, not only is there that bilateral learning, but there's also um, resources that exist that, again, you know, with the patient at the center that you might not know exists um, because, you know, I'm not saying you, but um, that that's actually where the conversations are really meaningful because maybe there is a pain point that the biotech or pharma industry already has dedicated resources to helping assist with. Um, so, you know, just from a resource perspective, whether that's brochures or um, things that are, you know, um, disease state related, you know, a lot of investment and time goes into that. So, you know, I think that's where, you know, maybe it's a new era of how do you have this interaction that again is, um, 
mutually beneficial with the patient at the center. And another part that I can talk to you about a lot about before too is kind of just the diversity within biotech as well. Sure. There's some companies that are doing it so well, um, which I think, you know, this is not sponsored anyway, but I think your company does it really well. And also just, you know, everyone we speak to is so respectful and knowledgeable. And most pharma is that way now, but there's still certain companies where structurally they're just a, a little bit different. So there's been changes over time that I think I've seen in on the leadership side on both both and so I'd love to kind of talk to you more about that too. It's a broad topic, but it's really kind of what changes you've seen. Also, you are just in such an amazing position and what what things have led to you and your success and where you are. And then on the kind of the reverse of that, I guess it's sort of, I'm always curious because since you work with a lot of um, key opinion leaders and thought leaders, how that landscape is changing and like kind of who is that, you know, thought leader we think of in our head um, like, what does that look like? And those are kind of two different things and a little bit broad, but I'd love to get your ideas on. Well, I love this. I love this question. Um, you know, I think when you, the, the first part, um, I hope I'm answering it well, is I, I, I really think we're on the precipice of complete a, a digital revolution within healthcare. Um, and that is exciting because I think that, again, is going to bring new solutions. Um, but to what we talked about earlier, it's so important to continue to have the partnership and the collaboration from all the key stakeholders to make sure that that's being done the right way and something that's meaningful, um, that actually creates meaningful change, whether that's process efficiencies or you know access to care. Um, but I, I I do think that this is um, the next five or 10 years. I've seen that a little bit. I think, you know, with COVID, that kind of forced, um, you know, I love to see what happened with telemedicine. Um, and, you know, hopefully those, that's just a beginning. Telemedicine was just catapulted, right? With COVID. Completely. Yes. And that that is a great example of, of something that, you know, is here to stay and, you know, as a foundation for, again, what the next, the forefront is, um, you know, continuing to push that digital innovation, um, not just with patient care, but, you know, within the manufacturers, you know, with the pharma, pharmaceutical and biotech industry as well. Um, and that goes into innovative ways of disseminating education, um, potentially with AI or gamification, which are things that I know are buzzwords, but that's really something that, you know, as as we look of look to different ways of um, creating content and disseminating that content, those are just you know potential paths. Um, I, I hope that answers the first part of your question. Um, the second part of your question was about you know the the key opinion leader, and you know I think that has also been um, with there's so many different ways you can define that. But essentially, you know, having the those the leaders within the field that are adopting new therapies, that are um, actually, you know, trying to um, put patients, you know, and, and patient care, and trying to lead like what that looks like. Um, I think that for us is is really meaningful. Um, you know, there's I think the term thought leader is is very subjective, but. Um, within dermatology, you know, for us as people who are, again, trying to think outside of the box and 
really push, um, you know, expand, I guess, what traditionally um, would have been done within, within, you know, just patient continuum of care. Yeah. And some of that is like that disruption we talked about too, right? Like a little bit of helpful disruption is, is good and it might not necessarily come from the places you would think of, right? It could be someone in private practice, it could be someone in academics. The key opinion leader was maybe people in academics. They did right. research, which obviously also really makes sense because those people are usually very knowledgeable on the topic. Right. Of course, it makes sense. But maybe there's like these other routes that are kind of coming up too. Um, and not to put you in a spot about that, but anything like innovative you've seen in that regard, any key opinion leaders you've kind of that come to mind for you that are not necessarily that traditional kind of route. And I'm probably super putting you on the spot now. You don't have to name any specific. <laughs> well, I, I do think, you know, even within, it's, it's also about subject matter expertise, yes. right? And so that comes in a very, in various ways, you know, like to your point, sometimes that's defined by research, you know, if, if that's your subject matter expertise. But oftentimes now I've even seen some providers that actually are experts on, you know, how do you get a prior authorization, you know, who have become subject matter experts on digital content, who, um, you know, and, and not necessarily just, you know, actually like putting out medical content, you know, through a digital medium. Um, and so that, that I think has, has changed a little bit because it's not so global. It's almost a little bit more regional. Um, and, and, you know, there's always the global too, but I think a subject matter expertise can come in a variety of different ways. Um, and that's nice because you you do get to define key opinion leader in 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 more than one way, right? Um, rather than before, I think it was primarily on, you know, publishing, which is still really important, but publishing and research. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so interesting that these I think these traditional roles are changing and, and, and that's really kind of interesting. Definitely. Um, new new ideas that are kind of emerging. And I think everyone's kind of more open to that. Some of the ideas, like you mentioned, like in COVID were sort of like catapulted where telehealth was like, well, now we're open to this. But then there's a lot of other things. And that's for me, like the technology is a great area of interest because I, I agree with you. I think the next five to 10 years or so, we're going to need all of these tech advancements. And the physicians and the stakeholders need to be ahead of the game because otherwise we end up, like one of my things, I was like, we, I just feel like all this tech has happened to us, but without us, being intimately right. involved. So like, that's another really important point is that like all of us kind of important stakeholders are involved in evolution of the of the tech that we think will actually be helpful rather than just another product that's there and not really doing much. So absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. And that's that it comes you know to the partnership between, you know, again, like the the pharma biotech industry and providers, but you know, all the stakeholders, right? So we can really shape what that looks like rather than, like you said, have it be a little bit more um, reactive. Yeah. And then uh, I guess just as we kind of wrap up, any specific advice you have for, let's say, a resident coming out or a young physician or, or mid, mid-career physician? Like what are, uh, I mean, I think if, if you're in academics and you're in the traditional route, there are routes for doing these things because they've already pre-existed. Um, but for maybe someone that's just coming out and not knowing exactly how to engage with industry, whether that's pharma or biotech, you know, all the different kind of external industries that comprise the business of dermatology. Any advice for how to start or how to kind of engage in that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. It's 
I, I definitely think, you know, getting to know who's local in your area um, is is kind of the key um, because they can actually, again, being like we talked about understanding what your objectives are and what you find most meaningful that you want to participate in. But using that those local, um, whether it's, you know, representative or someone else who's actually that you're interfacing with more frequently, but they can be a connector to different um, functional areas within the any biotech or pharma industry that would, um, you know, based on the objectives that you have. So really getting to know the local um, representatives of the company, um, understanding where you're, where you want to participate and what things are the most meaningful. And then, um, you know, from there, there's so many different avenues within, you know, they really, we only get better with the partnership from physicians. Um, that is the way that we understand what the gaps are, where the resources are needed. So, um, you know, there's all different kinds of ways that you can participate. Yeah, that's fantastic. She's so helpful. And if you're local here, of course, Fishy is and her, and her team, because <laughs> you do have all the answers. Usually, whatever question I've asked, I feel like you have been like, well, this is the person to talk to, or this is the answer. So it's it's really true. It's that just forming those connections and and relationships. Um, and lastly, since it's the Future of Dermatology podcast, we always and we've kind of been talking a little bit more about this. Anyways, you've gone along, but what are you most excited about, or what 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 major change do you think you see for the future of dermatology? Oh, I love that question. Um, I definitely would love to see AI come into education. I think that would be just having it three sixty surround sound. Um, you know that that I think would be a really great disruption. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that at a future conference. Yeah, but that's that's fantastic. You know, that's an area that's near and dear to my heart as well. So I love right, it. right. <laughs> and I think it's good. We're going to be seeing a lot more of that. So very exciting. Any last thoughts? No, just thank you for having me on here. I have so much respect and admiration for what you guys do every day, and just to be having this conversation is such a privilege. So thank you. Thank you so much, Fishi. It was such a privilege to have you on as well and all the amazing guidance. So thank you as always. Mm -hmm.